Yo, yo, what's poppin'? Yo, it's your man Dean Edwards. I was at sea, and since I was at sea, I recorded while I was at sea, but I told y'all, y'all ain't hearing this till I'm back on land, right? Uh, as special guests, you know sometimes I'll, I'll run into somebody on the road, uh, old friends, new friends, you know, and uh, this this was actually a special special time on the ship at sea because I ran into my man. I haven't seen this cat in years, man. We know each other from the New York comedy scene. Uh, you know him from uh, These Nuts with Jamie Foxx. <laughs> and most recently, uh, you, you don't know him from club, clubs and colleges. <laughs> and, and, and most recently from... Uh, Two seasons ago, uh, no, this past year, this past year on uh, America's Got Talent, man. Yeah, welcome to the living room, my man, and now yours, Steven Scott. Steve, what's going on, man? It's Tracy. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, everybody? It's Good to cool. be hanging with my. Cool. You don't, yeah, you don't have to leave forward, man. Oh, uh, cool. Force that Picks it up. You got the best equipment in yeah, the biz. Yeah, yes, yes, we do. When when Big, I have a dude, uh, Big Mike. Um, he records us a lot. Uh, but um, when, when I'm on the road, it's just me, uh, you, or whatever guest is with me uh, in the Zoom. And the Zoom. I don't have to go, is this on? Remember that song? We're going to Zoom, 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 Zoom. Oh, yeah. We're going to yeah, Zoom, yeah. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Come on, give it a try. That's a very New York City uh, back zoom, during zoom, the era oh, of uh, Zoom, Zoom, PBS. Zoom, and a boom, boom. Yeah, and then there's Teddy Riley Zoom. <laughs> Um, yeah, man, how you doing? You good? I'm doing good, man. It's a nice treat that you're on here, getting yeah. to catch up and hang out. And, uh, um, you know, it's fun. You know, get, we're getting paid to do the same stuff that got us punished as a kid in paradise. Right, right. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> people at home freezing their butts off in New York. Right. Working for some douchebag. And exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was, it was, we had a nice moment last, a uh, couple of nights ago. We were at, uh, they, they have once a month, they have a crew party where, oh, yeah. for those, for people that don't understand, you know, you have people... Uh, that work in the crew f- everywhere from the the room stewards, the people that clean the rooms of passengers and clean our oh, yeah. rooms because yeah. we're spoiled. Um, <laughs> spoiled Americans. Uh, you have people that work in the restaurants, servers, uh, waitresses, spa. people in the spa, people in the uh, gym. Uh, you know, guys that clean the ship, that hang from the side of the ship when we're in port. Keep it moving. And keep keep the engine room. And so once a month, um, it's actually smart leadership. Once a month, they give the crew a chance to let their hair down. They have a crew party um, uh, that that the people in the spa put together, which makes sense because the spa is all the fine women, right? Yes, yes. and so we're at, we're at this party out on the, uh, the what, the 17th back floor, deck, the yeah. back deck, uh, aft. Spice H2O. Right, Spice H2O, this club. They have this big jumbotron uh, screen with music uh, being played by a DJ, that, which is always crazy that they actually yeah. can scratch in the yep. videos now. I remember when they, they first started, uh, you know, implementing that technology. And Steven looks at me, and we're partying, we're dancing, mm-hmm. and... and he looks at me, he's like, dude, we're getting paid for this. <laughs> we're getting paid for this. I was like, you know what? You raise a valid point. And and then you actually saw me crip And then we crip walk. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> you still have to teach me how to do that. You saw the, the, so what happened was that there's a... There's a um, I'm better at blood walking. Yeah, there's a... Right, he's better at blood walking. There's a... The, the uh, Tony Award winning uh, show After Midnight is on the ship. Yeah. And one of, one of the dancers... He's a b-boy. His name is Deshaun. 
And so uh, you heard you heard uh, the next episode, Doctor Dink. <laughs> And as soon as that came on, <laughs> he said, "It's the father mucking the Snoop Dogg," <laughs> and and he started doing it. And it, but it was funny. We didn't look at each other. No, it came on, and then just instantaneously, Deshaun, myself, and this other black dude, we all just started sea walking. <laughs> and then and to see Stephen's um, face was he was like, "Wait, did you guys this? rehearse this early?" <laughs> <laughs> That was hilarious, man. Yo, so yeah, we had a we've been having a good time on the uh, on the ship. I usually like to get people's history, man. You yeah. know, and and what's 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 awesome about uh, having Stephen on, man, is that you and I have uh, a lot of uh, similar influences. Yes, totally. You know, we have we have similar reference points as far yes. as our, our pop culture and and the movies. We both grew up as young black children in New yes. York State. <laughs> 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 you know, days in the military. No, I. Uh, yeah, yeah no, we both. You know, it's it was true, and it's it, we we're, we're we're of a kind. You know, with the um, uh, the penchant for doing voices, and like you said, the comedy influences, Eddie Murphy, and all those people, and just having similar experiences coming up in our respective careers with that element of what we do, and uh, just being able to you know talk about it and connect. It's like like we're two kids playing. Yeah, you know? like yeah. It's, it's really fun. Which is really what you want um, in any work environment. I don't care if you're working in an office yeah. or if you're on the set of a film. Um, like I said the other night, uh, the, the the dueling pianos, Howl at the oh, Moon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, to the musicians, I said, I said, how long have you two known each other yeah. to one of the musicians? She said, uh, she said we've known each other since, uh, what, like the mid-90s. And I said, oh, you know, that's a parrot. Because you can see their chemistry. They just, they, they have, there's a language there. Yes, there's a language totally. that, that you can't, it's not rehearsed. You can't, you can't fake it. Absolutely right. And, and it's there. And so, you know, there have been numerous references this week that, like, you know, from Super Fun. Super, oh, yeah, Super, super Fun. I mean, we're pulling out movie references that no one else would know we're talking about. And we're like, I watch that all the time. Right, right. <laughs> to, uh, to Galaxy Glue. Ooh, Galaxy, Galaxy Glue. And so I, I just randomly started singing that, and Steve's like... I'm, He's like, what, what, what made you? Woman, yeah. yeah, he said, what made you sing that? I said, I, I don't know. I was just, I do mind. that with my cousin all yeah. the time because there's a place down the street from called Galaxy Glass, and every time I go Galaxy Glass, because <laughs> that was in uh, Lily Tomlin's The Incredible Shrinking Woman. Woman. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's so funny. But but I think it also speaks to we both came up in the uh, in the '80s when cable was still new. Yep. And so, whether it's the Incredible Shrinking Woman or or uh, Super Fuzz, and Super Fuzz, you know these and the comedy specials, the comedy Eddie Murphy, specials, Delirious, Bill Cosby himself, yep. all those things we were talking yep. about. Yeah, they, they influenced us. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's fun that I know what you're talking about when you cut this out. We can we can do in stereo. We could quote like Eddie Murphy, yeah. Delirious. We have. Yeah, we have. <laughs> oh, we, we, we have. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well go on steps. I might as well go on steps. What happened, Eddie? Go on What happened? I might as well go on steps. Oh shoot! Lillian, the bitches falling down the street. <laughs> <laughs> oh shoot! Uh, Delirious so still holds up, and and I wonder if Delirious would hold up to a new, to a, someone coming up now. You know, I I know there's certain references they wouldn't get. They might not get like say a Mr. T. Well, here's the thing. Here's where it won't hold up. First of all, the the biggest thing with Delirious that that well, I think now. Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of. <laughs> 
anti-gay bashing yeah, that yeah. wouldn't fly today. Yeah. Also, the references about well, just AIDS. gay bashing. It wouldn't be yeah. anti-gay. Well, or anti-gay. Yeah, 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 yeah right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. A lot of, lot of homo. He's, he's not bashing the gay. Oh, the uh, no, and also the references to AIDS, which at that time it was AIDS really was, just yeah, totally was, new. Yeah. And I know so some of the things about you know kissing yeah, a woman and going like, home with AIDS on your lips. I mean that, like, that notion. Man, you know yeah. what? You know what's scary about that is yeah. they got that new AIDS shit out there. Kill my kill for the motherfuckers. Yeah, you know and girls. Girls think it's cool to be cool with gay men. Gay men are the best friends to Because they don't want anything from you. You don't want anything from them. They just and no one's scared about that. They got that age and it kills mother. And and you're from your girl. She kiss 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 the dude on live and and then bring it home. Go home with AIDS on the like. AIDS, yeah. sir, we're sorry, we have AIDS. AIDS, but I'm not, not homosexual. homosexual. Sure, you're not, not homosexual. homosexual. <laughs> right, you know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. So that, that material. There I mean, was that a, is, yeah, that was a lot. There was a know, lot of uh, ignorance in that. Yeah. It was still new, so we right. didn't know. So we didn't know how, how ravaging and terrible yeah. AIDS would, would actually become. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, at that point. And, you know, you're, you're a young teenager or adolescent, yeah. and you heard that, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. Thing. You know, and, and then you're like, oh, AIDS. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was it was interesting when you go back and you realize the time that yeah. it's from. So that's that's a big yeah. that's a big difference because that's very topical to that to that period of time. Right, right. Um, yeah, something. I mean, some of the references. Uh, there's classic references. I mean, um, I'm trying to think what else. Would, I think the ice cream. The ice cream, ice cream yeah. would hold up. That would definitely I think hold up. The, the cookout the, would the hold cookout up. The cookout would hold up. Yeah. Um, the James Brown. Some of those, uh, like the James Brown. Would if still you know hold the up. people, right, you know, right. If kids today would right. know who that is, then yeah. Right. Well, if, if he, he did the joke about James Brown, they say, "Does he mean Chadwick Boseman?" Oh <laughs> yeah, right, 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 exactly. <laughs> you mean Black Panther? <laughs> but even things like when we were young, I mean, he was making references to the honeymooners. I don't think the first time I saw. I don't think the first time I saw Delirious, I even knew who the Honeymooners were. I didn't. It was still I, funny I, yeah, to watch, I, and then I later learned who they here's were. Here's what's funny. I've never been, I was never an avid, I, I loved I Love Lucy. That I knew. I knew I loved um, Lucy. But I never, um, you know, because the Honeymooners was, you know, all these shows, we saw them, obviously, yeah. in reruns. And I Love Lucy was a daily that came yes. on during the day. After school, you could watch right. a well, come on bunch. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Come on in the morning sometimes, but also the afternoon. The Honeymooners always came on yeah. Channel 11, 11 late at night, you know, yeah. and then they after my like, dad. Yeah, after your dad. <laughs> now, oh, you know what? Before I even forget that. <laughs> Tell people, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll go down down memory lane and get your history. Tell people for because there are people that aren't that listen that aren't in New York City, sure. but for the New York New Yorkers that are listening, tell people who your dad is and and uh, and his resume. Yeah, he the da- uh, dad's most uh, senior broadcast uh, journalist in New York. Mm. Um, he's he's been uh, he's on he's been on Channel Eleven since eighty uh, one. He's been, he was on Channel Five before that. He's, he's a New York WPIX, broadcasting yeah. legend, and I call him like the Forrest Gump of news because you yeah. go into his office and you see photographs of him with people. Like, right. I mean, there, there's a picture, no joke, of my dad with Martin Luther King, yeah, yeah. marching with him in Mississippi in wow. and and like that, I'm proud of that picture. And there's a great story behind yeah. the picture too, and uh, and then he's got. Uh, what's interesting is there's a photo of him. Give him your dad's name. Oh, Marvin Scott. Right. Marvin Scott is my father. Uh, he's on Channel 11 still yeah. working God bless still him working. and um, and he, uh, he there's a photo of him with him and Golda Meir 
next to a separate photo of him years later with him and Yasser Arafat. That pretty wow. much says wow. everything wow. right there. But, um, I mean, yeah, he's really... Right. I know there are people listening right now, like, who? Golda who? Golda who, yeah, yeah. Go, go Google it. Google, <laughs> Google it. Google Golda Meir. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, um, I mean, I think that says it all. And, and he just, he wrote a book uh, this past year, which uh, is something he's always dreamed of doing. It's a great mm-hmm. book. It's called As I Saw It, mm-hmm. A Reporter's Intrepid Journey. Um, uh, Dan Rather did the forward for it. Oh, and, that's and the dope. endorsements are from, like, uh, you know, Larry King, uh, Giuliani, right. uh, Al Roker, Mary right. Vera, and uh, Geraldo Rivera. And so um, it's just all these great, it's not like an autobiography, it's just all these individual stories, stories of things that he's covered over the years or things that have happened to him and some really great stories. Give him the title again. It's called As I Saw It. As I Saw It. A Reporter's Intrepid Journey by Marvin Scott. Yeah, yeah, it's, well, um, I, yeah it's I, I told you I'm going to yeah, yeah. copy the book. Amazon, it's at, uh, um, what's the bookstore? Um, what do you call it? Kindle? Uh, no, uh, Amazon. Oh, oh Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble, yeah, all that. Yeah, Don't go to Borders because they're closed. They're closed, yeah. Years. But Amazon, you can even order it. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's just it's great stories. There's a funny story, actually, that I'm involved in. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> This is one I can tell because I lived it. Uh, I'm home from school one day. I'm in fifth grade. So mm-hmm. what am I, 10 maybe, 10 years 11 old. years old? And I'm um, home from school one day. It was like when they do those, um, what are the teacher's convention or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's like a weekday and I'm home. My dad was the anchor of a show at the time called Midday on, on Channel 11. Mm-hmm. So it came on at noon. So I never, saw, I rarely saw it because I was home at, school, at school. But here yeah. I was home and the TV was on Channel 11, of course, because that's where he left it. And I walk in the living room one day and there's my dad doing... Doing the news, and uh, he comes. Oh, breaking news right now uh, from uh, uh, you know from our town in New Jersey. He says uh, uh, there's a. Um, he mentions the town, and he says uh, uh, 2100 Lemon Avenue. Uh, there's a uh, you know a five alarm fire, and the building is blah, and all this stuff, and blah blah. blah and we'll keep you posted throughout the broadcast. And I listen to him say that, and, and my jaw drops because he just announced on the air that his building was on fire. (laughs) (laughs) And my parents were divorced at that time, and my dad had moved into the next building of the complex. So that was his building. And I'm like, oh, my God. And no sooner let a few seconds go by, they cut the commercial. The phone rings. Mm -hmm. I answer the phone, and it's my dad from the anchor desk. Mm -hmm. Steve, what's going on? Is there there, there a fire in my building? I'm like, I don't know. I just heard it from you. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just that he didn't didn't even twitch. He didn't even blink. He just read on the air at my apartment building. Oh wow! And so I went downstairs to find out what was going on, and it was a very serious fire. Fortunately, it was on the top floor of the building, so he was lower. And he was, I said, "Yeah, you're okay. You're good." And um, but yeah, it was. Is that a crazy story? (laughs) So it didn't affect your. your, Did not affect him. Uh, Yeah, it's funny too because I ran into some friends recently. and uh, uh, that I grew up with, and for some reason we were talking about how bad that fire was, and we went up as kids and looked. It was it was a of bad course, fire. of course you did. It was a real. If it had it, it had, had it not been on the top floor of the building, on the twenty third floor of the building, uh, it would have been a a, an inferno. Wow. Because the top floor heat rises, yeah, there's right. nothing above it. Right. But had that happened on lower floor, it would have it would have been. Wow. Yeah. So it, it destroyed one floor, but it was the top floor. Luckily, my dad was. Did uh, they ever fix that so, floor? They did. Yeah. Okay. They, they re- I don't. Yeah. It was it was a mess. That was the first time I ever saw fire, that awful smell. It's it smells mm-hmm. like barbecue sauce, and everything was black, and mm-hmm. uh, the walls were charred, and there were mm-hmm. axe holes and doors. I mean, it was a real. Oh yeah. wow! Uh, we had a, a buddy of ours lived on the floor below, um, so we went up and you know snuck in there when we weren't supposed. To, of course, know, like that's, that's what kids do. The curiosity. Yeah. Oh yeah, like, Hell, there was a fire. Yeah, yeah, go let's see. Go check it out. Yeah, it's like wow. <laughs> but yeah, so that's it's an amusing story that he announced in his area that his building was on fire, and I happened to be home watching it, and he called. <laughs> I just heard it from you. Would you so. say your your dad being? Um, in the industry, um, as far as seeing your dad on an, on TV every day, did that influence you? It's interesting. I don't, you know, I don't know that it influenced me. I mean, with the comedy, 
I always wanted to be an actor. I was always acting in the school mm-hmm. plays. You know, mm-hmm. news is different from acting. The comedy, you know, I was just naturally funny, and then eventually made that. The, the careers are different. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my sister's also on the news. She's on New York One, Jill, oh. Jill Urban. So, so she oh, went into dude. the business. So I guess it's in the genes that were kind of, you know, out, out there people. Right, right. Um, the f- exciting thing for me is I got to uh, work with my dad a bunch of years ago. That's cool. um, he was the co-host of the Leukemia Society Telethon and mm. Leukemia and Lymphoma Society in New York for like f- uh, several years, and and I did the last four years with okay. him. One, some celebrity had a bailout. It was three hosts. My dad was the main host, and it was like uh, some woman, a dude from a soap opera, like uh, All My Children or something. It was like a it was like a <laughs> less high profile, ver- yeah. a lower profile version of Comics Relief. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, for Leukemia and Lymphoma. Yeah, so. Um, so my there was a fall at the last minute, and I had a lot of heat at that time. Mm-hmm. I had my Warner Brothers deal, I was doing the Jamie mm-hmm. Foxx thing, and I was like, oh. And he said, you know, he said, look, you know, do you guys want to take a look at my son? He's like, you know, he's a real deal. He's got mm-hmm. this gone. He's a comedian, right. and he can maybe lend some levity to an otherwise rather right. heavy kind of show. Right. And his grandfather, my, my dad's father, you know, died of leukemia, oh, so he has a direct connection to it. And so they said, all right, let's send us his stuff. My agent sent mm-hmm. the stuff over, and they looked, and they said, yeah, he'd be great. And so I ended up, so I would do the the... The telethon was like three hours or so of mm-hmm. live TV. So I got practice being on live TV and improvising, you know, interviewing kids with cancer and doing things oh, but wow. still making it Dude, light. So it was really like, you know, lot. trial by fire. Yeah. And, and and watching my dad in action and we always alright and now we're going to throw it to you Marvin and, you know, and, and that was mm-hmm. cool and I'm back to you Steven and that was kind of neat that is yeah that's cool and so for four years we did that and uh, that was that was nice. and, and I really appreciated seeing him in action because one thing my dad does he's one of the best at it and that's why he could be his agent still working because mm-hmm. everyone else is retired is how old he, is he he's I don't know if I'm allowed to oh, say oh, 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 <laughs> no you know what or better yet yeah. how many, so how many years has he been oh he's, he's got 60 almost 60 years wow yeah, man about 60 years that's, that's a blessing so uh, yeah and um, and a few years ago they gave him an honor in, in Congress they gave him uh, Peter King the declaration of uh, you know uh, his his uh, long longevity in the career and, and also 30 something years uh, at being at one at the same uh, almost 40 years of being at one uh, yeah 38 years of being at one station yeah that's impressive that's impressive too <clears throat> so yeah, he um and the reason that's impressive for those that don't know is because yeah. Yeah. in in the realm of entertainment they, you know, people people with more um more seniority and more uh um experience yeah. unfortunately get get yeah. Ageism is yeah, a real. Oh, it's, is it, a real ageism is terrible. In fact, at that station, there was at one point an age discrimination lawsuit that happened really? a few years ago. Had nothing to do with my dad. Had to do mm-hmm. with someone else. But I, you know, it certainly didn't hurt him. That you know, they're not going to get rid of their most senior guy right, at that point. Right. But also, he, he, as to my point earlier, he he can do things these young kids that may have the previous. They can't do. Right, right. He's old school. Yeah. I mean, he he. And he hustles and he works. I think it keeps him going. And also, he has the connections other people don't have. Yeah. The mayors and the senators, yeah. they know who he Everyone is. Everyone knows know? him. So he's he's a fixture. And so and I and he loves what he does. He's good at it. And I really think it keeps him alive. If he retired, I think he'd just wither away. Right. He needs that. You know, that's the you fuel. need it, it, when you have something to to wake up to a purpose to wake up to. Absolutely. Aside from your family, yeah, like absolutely. a vocation, yeah. a job to say and he this loves is it. mine. He, he loves know? being in the loop. He has he, to he love it. Sixty years and, later, yeah, he has oh, yeah. to love. He really does. And. Uh, and that's the thing, and he and one of the things I was starting to say earlier, he he can vamp like nobody else, you yeah. know. Like you and I, we're on stage, you know, we have an act that we, but we, you know, something happens, we can improv and. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when you're covering live events, things happen, yeah. and he's one of the best I've ever seen. In fact, I remember he he would do it during the telethon, but also 
the Pope, it was uh, not Francis, the one before him, uh, Benedict, okay. came to New York for the first time, and he wanted to visit Ground Zero. Mm. And, uh, and so he, so all the reporters from all the stations were there awaiting the Pope to come to Ground Zero, and the Pope was like 35 minutes late. Mm. And they had all these live you know, uh, news feeds coming in. <clears throat> Nobody knew what to say. Right. You know, they were just like, oh, well, he's still not here, so, uh, okay, I guess we'll just go back to you in the studio. You know, And then we clicked to, my girlfriend at the time and I were watching my dad. Mm-hmm. And man, he was like, just going on, well, while we're waiting for the Bowie, I'll tell you, it's interesting that the Bowie, and he starts rattling off well, all he, this. Because his history he, is so yeah. deep, so rich. And the last time a Pope was here was Pope John Paul II in 1981. And he kept, and you're just sitting there going, he's talking for 35 minutes and everything he it's said impressive. was interesting it was super impressive yeah. and, and flipping between the channels and everybody else like uh, I, 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 he's not here yet uh, okay I guess back to you you know and he's going on like it's nothing uh, I mean he's really uh, so that that kind of stuff that that skill you can't yeah. you know you can't replace with the pretty face yeah yeah. so um, yeah so that's it so I, it was cool as a kid we got to do some cool stuff I got to meet cool people you know meet President Jimmy Carter and stuff mm-hmm. when we were kids And so you do get to see some things but um, yeah the comedy though it's a very different my dad always says he always says, yeah, I'm in the toughest business in the world. He goes, but he says to me, he goes, you, you've got the only business tougher than mine. <laughs> oh, wow. That's what he said. And he says all the com- comedians. That's saying a lot. Yeah, oh, it is. It is. It's, it's really, uh, but yeah, he's very supportive. And um, and uh, yeah, so it's fun. It was That was a fun time where we just happened to get to be able to work together. Give me one reason <clears throat> you or your dad would say comedy is the, the hardest. I know them, but for, yeah. for the listeners. Well, you know, it's, it's because you have an element... Um, you know, the business, show business, and, and even though news is a little different, there's still a show business element to it, where, like you said, you know, there's a lot of politics, mm-hmm. there's a lot of um, favoritism and, and, you know, ageism and all these things, but then with the comedy element, you just, there's so much subjectivity with, you know, what makes people laugh, and mm-hmm. who's funny, you know, I mean, you know, I get people on, I say, oh, these guys aren't funny, why, well, you're funnier than that, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, mm-hmm. so, you, so it's just, so you have that extra element on top yeah. of all that politics and stuff on top of everything that else that every every form of entertainment faces you also have the element of subjectivity because yeah. a song a song you might not mm-hmm. like the first time you hear it right. can grow on you right yeah. and a comedian can grow on you but if a joke didn't make you laugh right chances are even if over time you're like oh, i could see how that's funny yeah. There's still people like owning their their uh, their opinion, right? And people like uh, standing by their opinion. And with with regards to comedians yeah. and jokes, I've had people that have said, "Yeah, no, that's not funny." And then everybody around them, their friends, yeah, their family, yeah, are yeah, laughing. Yeah, and you're like, "Did you like it?" Nah, I didn't know. Yeah. Like, why? But that's you liked it. everything else. Yeah, but that's not fun. You know. You know what I call, I call Baskin Robbins uh, theory? Yeah. You know, there's 31 flavors. You're not going to like every one. doesn't mean they're bad. Right. I don't like strawberry ice cream. doesn't mean it shouldn't be sold. And right. the, you know. You don't so, like strawberry ice cream? I don't. Isn't that weird? I don't like strawberry ice cream. I love chocolate vanilla. But, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? And and the thing yeah. with uh, comedy, like fashion and like music, it does go in trends. We were talking about Eddie earlier. You know, would Delirious from 1983 hold up today and some of the references? Also, some of the style. You know, oh, yeah. that style wouldn't hold up today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's very different. You know, yeah. the old Jerry Seinfeld, you know, you ever notice 
that's fine. For, but now we, you got to you got to put you into every yeah. opinion. You got yeah. we got to know how you feel about what you're talking about. Not just right. hey, isn't it interesting how this happens? You got to right. say you know what pisses me off, or hey, you know what drives. Right. You have to put you into it. Uh, so that there's that evolution with news. You know, news is news. The, yes, the style has changed in how we get the news. Social media versus you know spoon um, that that uh, ADD sort of mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. short term. Uh, memory kind of um a short tension span kind of news right. but um you know my dad one of the things that's interesting with my father <clears throat> that i appreciate in general is you don't you don't know my dad's politics when you watch him on the news you don't know anything um i once saw him have to interview a holocaust denier and i was like really oh, wow. impressed because i know it is real feelings but you didn't he was right. total journalist and really hit the guy with the hard questions but from a neutral place which the, wow yeah that's and, an- because she's yeah. Jewish. Yeah, 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 yeah. So absolutely. Gosh, that... And so, and, you know, been to, you know, the, some of the concentration camps. But, you know, that you, that was not present in, in any of the interview. Mm-hmm. It was that old Walter Cronkite kind of style. Right. And so he comes from that. Right. Uh, now, today, everything is opinion. And it's, and it's lumped in together where people there are people who think Sean Hannity is a newscaster he's not he's an opinion guy right. you know and or Rachel Maddow these other ones. and and so people mix up what's news and what's opinion mm-hmm. there's it's all mushed together now yeah. there used to be a very fine line you didn't cross as a yeah. journalist right and he's still from those old school values and it's really refreshing when you watch someone like him because we miss that you know yeah. and I and I admire it because I think it's just gone the other way way too much it's messed up the whole industry I agree <clears throat> so I agree I'm sorry we well, yeah, we got we got off on the tangent. Well, let me get a tangent. I mean, we you know your your dad deserves uh, some acknowledgement oh, uh, to to uh, do to do anything for sixty years. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you know, impressive. it's 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 something he loves. He's good at. Yeah. Uh, I think you and I. I mean, any comic, you know, that we we get to do what we love. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool. You know, we're here in the middle of the ocean. Ain't right no now. kinda. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, it's, it's great. Amazing. Yeah. When you when someone wants to give you money, to, the old Confucius saying is, "Find a job doing something you enjoy. You'll never have to work a day in your life." And it's true. So when I look at someone like my father, it's like, hey, you know, he's doing what he loves and what he's good at. He's got eleven Emmy awards. I mean, he's, you know, he's he's got a lot. He's he's lived a good life. So uh, where, where does he put the Emmy? <coughs> you know, I, I'm always curious <laughs> where people, because I've seen. Um, I think uh, Max Max actually has one from oh, yeah? our first season on SNL. Oh, only that's the, cool. Only the writers got it. Oh, cool. And I think his dad had him. I remember seeing like Steve, and it's there was like in a, in a room. Yeah. Just in a box. He's got a but he's and he's well he's got. He's got him divided a little bit between the home office and okay. the and the the work office. Okay. So he, I think he has a couple at the work office and the rest are at the home office, uh, and he has other like uh, awards he's gotten over the years. A I'm lot sure of stuff. A lot. Even, yeah. He. Oh God. Sixty a, years. You yeah. left some tin. He says, hey, "I'm glad he has a wife because when his day comes, he passes. That's that's like you got to get a presidential library for all the yeah. crap he's yeah. got. Yeah. But uh, he does. Yeah. So he he keeps a lot at home, uh, and then some of the other work. Have work. those inspired you? Coming up, seeing those, did did those inspire you and make you say, "I want to get one of those," or or did you come up knowing that they really are just pieces of metal, right? And plastic? No, I, I I think anytime you do something that mm-hmm. you pour your heart and soul mm-hmm. into, and someone wants to award you for that and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, you earned something special," mm-hmm. that's regarded industry wide as being an accolade. Okay. <clears throat> I think that's that's really nice. I mean, yeah. I think there are some awards out there that are a little kind of like self congratulatory and whatever, but an Emmy award is an Emmy mm-hmm. award. I mean, okay. that's 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 the 
preeminent award in that in that industry. Mm-hmm. So to have that is certainly... Give me one you think yeah. that's self-congratulations. Well, like lately... You don't mind. Well, I mean, I think we have awards Because there are too many now. Uh, yeah, there's there far too point. many awards. Like shows. even, even like, I mean, the SAG Awards, I'm in SAG, you're in SAG, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that's that, that was generated, what, uh, how old is it now, 20 years ago? But that was like an industry mm-hmm. saying, hey, we're giving it to our own. And, right. You know, that's okay, but, it, but then there became a lot of that. What was the thing you were talking about earlier? Uh, we were talking about the Source Award. That was a magazine, had an award mm-hmm. show. There was a few magazines that came up that had their own award shows mm-hmm. for a little bit now you got the SBs and all that you know and it's just it's there's a lot of awards that that are very um how do i put okay here's well they be they become <coughs> into, so for instance with the source awards mm-hmm. because the the source awards i believe had to happen at some point because the Grammys always mm-hmm. notoriously were overlooking right. the oh, yeah. contributions of yes. of so it was strictly oh, music oh, source was yeah the uh, yeah so, well it was strictly music but then it became music and then uh, uh, you know uh, athletes you know right. like because the source magazine would cover music mainly but then also uh, you know Allen Iverson might get an award for right, right, right. and and they were kind of like right, if, when right. you looked at the the titles of yeah. you know the the most most baller, you know, yeah. right, 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 you know, right, right. these were these were sort of uh, and then there was the American Music Awards is another one, and then they had, yeah. remember the Cable Ace Awards, the Ace Awards, had, the, yeah. But now the industry's changed. Where now, like you see, Netflix is being included in the in yeah. the Golden Globes and in, yeah. and then the Emmy Awards, and it's just it's interesting to see how it's all about. But no, that, that, that's my point is that some of the you know the awards, you know, your your EGOT awards as they call yeah. them, yeah. Um, you know, the Emmys and Grammys and Oscars, you know, those are certainly. But here's the thing about those awards. You know, I'm watching the Olympics last week, mm-hmm. and you got you got the skiing, so you got the bobsled, and no, and no, and the gold goes to the person who crossed the line first. And even we're talking like tenths of a second right. between number one and number two, or even number one and number five. You right. know, and um, and but that's it's definitive. Whoever crosses that line first right. was the winner. Whereas you look at the figure skating. Mm-hmm. And that's more subjective. You got you know. So with a lot of the awards like Emmys and and Oscar, you know, there's a lot of luck involved. Mm-hmm. You know, you can still be great. But there's a subjectivity, and there is yeah. so much, yeah. So that's the thing about those awards. It, even though they're great accolades to have, you know, a lot of people get over. You know, some people get awards. I'm sure my dad has a few awards where there are awards where he did something better that he didn't get an award that particular mm. year because of the competition. But then it got he ended up with that year. So there's a lot of subjectivity that, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. when you're dealing with art, um, happens. But it's certainly nice to have any recognition where you've poured your heart and soul to That's something and you can point to that yeah. and say, hey, look what I got. You yeah. know, I did that. <clears throat> I don't think I've ever looked at it that way. I, I think um, because over time I was, you know, you especially uh, being of color, yeah. if you, you know, I've seen numerous awards shows uh, that... I believe that are subjective, but um, subjective. But there were many that mm-hmm. felt the same way. Like, oh wait, you know, yeah. they didn't win for that. But they, yeah. you know, there are people that that were the black people that were upset that Denzel won for Training Day, mm-hmm. but didn't win for Malcolm X. Yep. But yep. then I I tell people, well, you know what? You have to remember. Malcolm X, he was nominated against Pacino, who inspired right. him, and Pacino had lost right. four times previously. Right, right. So, was *Son of a Woman* Pacino's right. best work? Uh, argue, I mean, it's 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 up there. It's up there. It's definitely up. It's there. up there. And he was playing a handicap. Handicap yeah, always yeah, yeah. always helps, you know. You want full return? Chris Kattan did this right. sketch. Uh, damn, I wish I had it. Uh, 
because back back when when I am Sam came out and oh, I might have spoken about it on oh, the right, podcast right. before and he wrote, they had this sketch where he was like. He, he he had like everything wrong with him, and he was like, "Pee pee come from here, doo doo come from here," and it was like he's it was a it was a ward bait, right? right. It was a ward bait. It was speaking on. Well, that was like the Tropic Thunder thing with yeah. you. Yeah, it's like Nell, Forrest Gump, right. all these. Yeah, no, Rain Man. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, that happens a lot. Who who got the award recently? Some older guy got the award, and it was almost like for a body of work. Even well, look at Paul Newman. I, okay, Paul Newman's even a good example. Look at the body of work, Paul. Newman mm-hmm. has had he gets his Oscar for um, Color of Money right. by Tom Cruise right. which was a sequel to the you know so it was kind of a way of you know awarding a lifetime of work who beat out uh, Eddie for uh, Dreamgirls oh Alan, that was uh, Alan Arkin Alan Arkin yeah and, and we were well, saying yeah. that that was Norbert did Alan Arkin really yeah. deserve for for uh, um, Little Miss Sunshine was was, was a great, great movie, but, it, I thought Eddie but did he it. do so much in that movie and and yeah. so that's that's what we were saying the other night and this has been talked about mm-hmm. and it's funny that you knew immediately yeah. when I brought it up you know because Eddie got looked at very differently once he did Dreamgirls yeah. as he should have and and there was he won the Golden Globe and I think he won the SAG um, but then the Oscars came up and yeah. I was I was so excited to Every, see you know what I think everybody was excited yeah. because it's so rare yeah. that a comic uh, can transcend comedy and yeah. get accepted as an actor. You know, you um, you you look at what uh, Chap- Chaplin. Yeah. Uh, uh, you look at uh, 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 Robin Williams. Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. Well, Monique is. Uh, she got Monique. Yeah. You know, she's a comic. Um, and maybe Whoopi Goldberg even. You Whoopi. Could, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. but they're a handful. Yeah, very few, handful. Very few. And and Eddie. Eddie when yeah. you take all of them yeah. and then you look at Eddie, you're like Eddie. Yeah. Spawned a generation of yes. of comics. He Absolutely. spawned you. He spawned myself. Totally. He spawned Chris Rock mm-hmm. and Chappelle. You yeah. know, he spawned all of these these cats that came up. Yeah. So we all were excited for him because yeah. we're like, you know what? Good. Eddie's finally going to get something. But he also did something. You see, remember the Oscars are are movie awards, right? So stand up aside. Uh, you got to remember, like what he did, movie. He, he had some of the biggest blockbuster hits yes. in history at that time, yes. and also uh, we were saying the other night, uh, changed some movie genres. Like Forty Eight Hours yeah. was like the first you buddy, know, buddy, interracial buddy, buddy picture buddy cop movie, thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Beverly Hills Cop was one of the f- first movies I remember where it was like a serious film. But it was mm-hmm. funny because of what Eddie brought to it. It was right. originally written for Stallone. Right. We talked about that, and it was a whole other movie. De Niro turned it down, and. Um, yeah, he was, and it was an action movie, right? Which is what it was. It yeah. was a very serious yeah. film. And then Eddie comes into it, puts his comedy into a movie. It still maintained its action and serious, right. serious subject matter and the drama aspect of it. But Eddie was what made it fun. And it was, to see that combination in film yeah, he, was great. Right. He helped create the action comedy. Yeah, like the you Lethal know, Weapons and the other things that came. Weapons, from that. So, the Rush Hours. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so he really played a part in 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 movie history. Redefining. And like, yeah, and he was at that level. So now you know, look, you can't give him an Oscar for, you know, uh, 48 hours. But when you do Dreamgirls right. and you show some serious acting chops and you can be serious and you know, you know, that's okay. So now you can give him an award for a great performance and for a body of work at the same time. We said what hurt him that year, and this is, again, bad couple luck. A couple of weeks before the couple Oscars. A couple of few weeks before February. the Oscars. Of whatever year that was, two two thousand uh, six, six, seven, six, six or seven, seven yeah. yeah. 
and uh, he uh, he he had Norbit come. Norbit out, dropped, which was a goofy movie where he's playing these characters. Hi, you're Gary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it this way, Cat Williams hey. was in that movie too. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah, and it was just really uh, like you said, sophomoric and kind of, and it just so here you thought, okay, Eddie is evolving into being an actor, and then he goes back to doing. And then the members game. of the academy, they are like, we as they're about to check, they're like, yep, that's it. Oh wait, we're not. We no, can't we give can't, a gospel can't. to a guy who's got these he's commercials. Just like a a fat woman yeah and so that's exactly unfortunately that's that's where the politics comes in and because it all is political unfortunately it is and you know what I always respected Clint Eastwood when he won his American Film Institute award the AFI Mm. award I think it was like around 2000 late 99 something like that and everyone in Hollywood is there everybody's there and they're showing clips of his illustrious career and all these great movies and stuff and um, he got up there and he said you know Anybody who tells you they made it to this point in this business uh, without a whole lot of luck is full of crap. Right. And he said, I've been a very blessed man and I'm super grateful. And that was like the most honest statement yeah. because, you know, how it's, it's people say to me, who's your favorite comedian? You know, and I say, you mean that you know? Right, 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 right. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Because right. there's a lot of comics that we both know who are hilarious and should be super famous but aren't. And there's right. a lot of comics right. who are famous where you're like, you yeah. know, yeah. we can name 10, 11 people who'd be better, you know, yeah. doing that. So uh, it's it's one of those things where it doesn't always go to, you just... It's uh, like street ball versus NBA. Yeah, exactly. You know, when you, when you hear yeah. guys, the, the best, uh, one of the best ball players, I've said it on this show, um, one of the best ball players I've ever seen, mm-hmm. pure basketball players, um, his brother played in the NBA. Um, he wouldn't go to class. Uh, he he was his, the young he was the youngest sibling of of three. His sister played uh, Division One. Mm-hmm. His brother played Division One. And in my second year of college, his brother had been drafted wow. over the summer and went to play for Portland uh, Trailblazers. Cliff Robinson, his brother Craig Robinson, mm-hmm. and and all of my friends that played ball with us and played with Craig mm-hmm. were like, he's actually better than Cliff, wow. but. He doesn't. He he's he's playing in a junior college yeah. because he won't go yeah, to class, class. Won't get his yeah. act together. You yeah, know? that's crazy. And so it's the same with with comics. We know you and I. I could. I just liked the picture or commented on one particular comics uh, uh, picture. Yeah. A guy who has had, has been out. It was out long before you and I. Mm. Inspired a bunch of like comics, one one or two that are big name comics, yeah. and still makes a great living, yeah. but could be so much more, but doesn't doesn't yeah. show up on time. Oh or right, 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 or, you right, know. right, right. Well, sometimes you know, sometimes there is that element too. Yeah. There are people who have uh, personal issues that that get, get in their in way, way. Yeah. Uh, and then there's other people who just you know, like you said, the the you gotta hope that the the roulette uh, ball comes and hits you in the face. Right. I I think. Um, what was it? You know, uh, you know. Tom Crowder always says, uh, you know, the cream always rises to the crop. You know, and and uh, you just got to crop or the top. Uh, to, oh, cream rises to the top. I'm okay, sorry, no, top. I didn't. You're right, you know you what? Me. It's just funny because yeah, right. because you said I, because you quoted Cotter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, is there a joke yeah, in there? Because yeah, yeah. he has those you're misdirects. Right. You're right. I, so that's why I was, I was like, let me make sure. Tom, I didn't we may have a new joke for you. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just me being an idiot. But, <laughs> yes, the cream always rises to the top. I didn't mean to correct the cream you, of the crop rises right, to the top. Right. Now we got a new lyric. Okay, so now he. Um, so the thing is, yeah, if you. You know, and there's an old saying, of course, uh, a quote that the you know the race doesn't always go to the swiftest, but to those who keep on running. Yeah. And here you and I, you know, we're running, we're running, and you just hope at some point, you know, the more you're in the game, that mm-hmm. eventually your number comes up. Yeah. 
And then people are like, oh my God, where did you come? And you've been around 20 something yeah. years and it's like, yeah. oh, we just, this new hot sensation, yeah. you know? And, and there is a thing in our business where, like we were saying earlier with the ageism, they think, oh, the, you know, the young, the young people, even Montreal, oh, the new faces, the young people. There was years ago at Montreal, which is the, the big, I, I guess it's, is it still the big comedy festival. In the it's business? big enough that people yeah, still Yeah, and care. at one point, I mean, I had a deal out of there. You had a deal out of there. We, mm-hmm. you know, um, that was where comics used to get these. You know, industry would go mm-hmm. there. Hollywood would go to Montreal for a couple weeks in the summer and look for the hot new people. Right. And it made careers. It helped me. That's where I got the Jamie Fox thing. Anyway, <clears throat> that that um, people would go there and be um, and be discovered and and uh, and 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 uh, from these new faces. But there were all these comics that had been doing it for years, and finally, someone got the idea. And said, "Well, wait. Why don't we do a master show? Mm. Guys who've been around for a long time that just hadn't broken through, right. and then suddenly that became the hot showcase. You'd be yeah. going seeing guys like you know, like uh, Jimmy Schubert, or right. you know, guys who've been around like that were like solid and get right. to see what they were up to. And suddenly, in his, right, right, and people go, oh my goodness, because you realize, look, Steve Carell is in his fifties, uh, Will Ferrell, all these guys." Kids are going to watch anyone that's... They don't need to be in if their If you're 20s. funny, you're If funny. you're funny. Joan yeah. Rivers always said it. Funny is funny is funny. Yeah. You can be 81. If you're funny, kids will watch yeah. you. This notion that you have to be 20 uh, to be funny. And the thing is, when you're 20, you don't know who you are yet. Yeah. You don't have as much life experience to talk about. So, Cute is not funny. Yeah. I, I was happy to see we were talking about SNL. Like, Leslie Jones was almost yeah. 50 when she got SNL. Yeah. I never thought they would take somebody right. of, of that age. Let alone someone that, that old and black. Yeah. And a woman. Right. She, 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 Leslie... <laughs> Leslie uh, superseded numerous hurdles mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and, and broke barriers by being uh, by being black, being a woman, and being of, of an yeah. older uh, stature. I'd uh, like to see SNL do that with other guys who are in their forties and yeah. you know been you know and realize, hey, there's a lot of guys like us. I guess the, prob- the 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 way they com- the way they probably defended is you know SNL. As an audience, even though older people will watch, especially mm-hmm. during the political uh, sure. years, it still is really now for kids. It's yeah. really ki- but even kids. look, Alec Baldwin is playing is playing Trump. Yeah. And he's in his fifties. Yeah. So it's you know they're watching him. And but enjoying, he's a you know? star. But right. but that right. but that speaks to yeah. that it should just be about right. that. Yeah, it should as be. opposed to how old someone yeah, is. It's but, silly. I yeah. find it funny that they still. They still do that, but I, you know, there are certain things. Well, there are a lot of ideas in Hollywood that are antiquated. Uh, You know, look at the success of Black Panther. I I just saw Will Smith. Um, y'all might have seen it on uh, Instagram. He said, you know, he was giving applause and salute to the filmmakers, everyone behind the success of Black Panther, from, uh, um, you know, Ryan Coogler, the director, to uh, Chadwick Boseman and Lupita Nyong'o and Uh uh, Daniel Guerra, all these stars, because for years. Will was revolutionary in that nobody opened films overseas. No one, uh-huh. no one did press and junkets and toured and released their movies overseas the way he he was the first actor to a movie. Uh, here I'm dropping Independence Day. Uh, we're gonna have a, a hard release date in the states, and then I'm gonna go overseas and oh, help wow. with the release in Japan and in China yeah. and in Europe. Will Smith was the was the cat that revolutionized and said no did the work. That's why he became Mr. Box Office, wow. right? Didn't um, and for years, 
And I don't even know if this movie is going to change it drastically because yes, it's a movie and it's filled with uh, uh it's a, it's a, a black crew, uh-huh. but it's also it has Disney and Marvel nice. behind it. Yeah. Um, but what you hope is that this movie now lets lets the world sit, because for years they've said you know it. Um, Movies start movies for black people starring black people mm. don't do well overseas, right? Which which is which is never is not right. true. It's yeah. not true. Um, you look at the movies that came out this year. Uh, you look at Girls Trip, right? Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, produced by uh, geez, Will Packer Productions, a black producer. Because um, you and I, we were talking about like a Mike Tadros, who's, yes. who's a, who's a, who's a great producer. He works with uh, Will all the time. He produced mm-hmm. uh, a movie I was in, uh, Tony and Tina's Wedding. But Will Packer, you know, he he's done like, um, he did, uh, what was uh, Kevin, uh, uh, how, to, how to be a... Not how to be a player, Jesus. Huh. <laughs> think like a man, yeah, right? Yeah. He did think like a man, think like a man too. Um, ensemble pieces. This girls' trip was was I think the highest highest grossing comedy of twenty seventeen. Oh wow! Right, um, all black uh, leads. That's black, right. not only all black, but black women. J- Jada Pinkett, you know, wasn't that one Jada right? Pinkett, Queen Latifah, Tiffany. That's this yeah. is what really put Tiffany on the map, over, over yeah. the you know over the map and and had her helping announce the Oscar uh, nominations. Yeah. you know, and she was the first apparently black woman to ever first host black SNL. woman to host I, SNL, that which is insane. That shocked me. Right. Um, <laughs> You know uh, the success of Black Panther, and they're 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 a Get Out Jordan oh, that was great. Peele. That was great. You know, they, so so a lot of lot of uh, ceilings are being shattered with with the success. Um, and you you hope, especially <laughs> being a, a an actor of color or talent uh, talent of color, you hope that you know we people continue to um, believe this yeah. and say, okay, things are changing, yeah. and now we'll see because. Even though I'm a, I'm a black actor, I'm also like, well, you know what? Now let's see some movies with just all majority Asian. Yeah. You know, let's see some movies with majority Latino. You can go to China and they have a whole bunch of them. Right. <laughs> 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 that are mainstream Hollywood because as, yeah. a, as with anything... Yeah, you can if you're you're you could be the biggest star in Bollywood. Yeah, yeah. You can be yeah. the biggest star in China. Jackie Chan wanted yeah. to pop over here. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know what I mean. The, the Hong Kong uh, movie scene was huge. Yeah, he, actually, Bruce Lee said, wanted to pop over here. Yeah, you know? they said Jackie Chan was the biggest star in the world at one point because yeah. people forget you. They got a billion people yeah. in in China yeah. and then in that part of the world. I remember was, Jackie Chan in, in in kung fu movies in the late seventies. How about 80s. Cannonball Run? Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run. That was the first Run. thing I saw him in. He was hilarious. <laughs> you like couscous? Yeah, <laughs> Who's that, Jamie Farr? <laughs> oh, Jamie, that movie was funny, man. That's so funny. We got no breaks. Gonna... We got no breaks. Is that Rick Aviles? Oh, you're right. That Rick is Rick Aviles. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot we got about no that. breaks. That's, oh, that's... I told y'all we had the same uh, reference voice, man. It's, oh, it's just... the movies we grew up yeah, on, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Cannonball Run. But you know what? Because we... Um, we were, just so y'all know, we're gonna do two episodes because I just realized we're like forty five yeah. minutes in, and we need twenty voices. <laughs> how 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 amazing is What's that? that? Steven Scott and Dean Edwards, and they only did the whole thing in their own voices. So serious, comedians are so serious. Um, but you know, let's just get into your history. When you said you you uh, you know used to do school plays, what was your first? Do you remember your first lead? 
Oh yeah, in a play. I, well, it's actually started in, in camp when I was a kid in sleepaway camp. Oh, okay. I, I, Did I, you go to a Jewish camp? Uh, yeah, yeah, I spoke yeah, with Jewish, yeah. Like Rich Aronovich, he, yeah. he told, he explained. I was like, that, I yeah. know there were that's like it. Jewish yeah. camps. That's okay. a big thing. Yeah. When you're, yeah, you go to sleep. Yeah, and like, they leave you for a month. Two months. <laughs> two months. <laughs> it was eight weeks. Now oh, they shortened dude. it to seven oh, wow. for today's kids. But it's eight weeks, and you go up, and uh, it's fun, man. We'd have. Um, it, you know, it, it's. I guess it's a chance too to get the kids to kind of be on their own. You know, right, before, right. like there's kids going to college for the first time. Like I don't want to leave home. Right. You know, when you're like, when you do it when you're ten, right. you're like, oh, it's not good. Right. So, um, yeah, no, it was it was great. I did it for six years, sleepaway okay. camp. Um, but you know, and it, look, this is a good example where like they have uh, activities up there that you kind of find a niche in certain mm-hmm. things. Like I, I happen to be. They had a wood shop up there, and I was building. I was I, Turns out I'm good at wood shop. Oh, <laughs> you know, I was cool. building like you know, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, uh, but they had drama. Okay. So I do the talent shows, and I do, I, and they'd have me host them. I do comedy stuff without knowing I was going to be a comedian or thinking right. of just doing funny stuff. And were you doing start, your own originals, or yes. were you like mimicking? Uh, we did originals. In fact, one year we, uh, well, one year they did the theme of the talent show was Saturday Night Live, and it was the first year mm-hmm. I watched that. I was that Billy Crystal cast. Oh, Remember okay. that? The mid eighties. Yeah, it was like eighty five. It was yeah. after Eddie and them left, and. And they uh, they brought in uh, it was uh, J- uh, Jim Belushi and Billy Crystal and Christopher Guest and uh, Martin right. Short and Rich Hall and all those guys. That's and when they were like here, yeah, right? but the, that was, the, they were older. But it was those were the episode yeah, years. That was the episode years, and he wanted people who were already established. Right. But that's where you know Billy did the darlings. You know who you are. You look Martin, Martin you know? Short. Martin Short yeah. would do that. Oh yes, I must say, Mr. Patch Agent. You know all right. those characters, Ed Grimley. I said Marty like he and I. Marty, yeah, like you're going back. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, that, so I remember I did some of those characters. Oh, okay. the show. And then, but I did no. I wrote original sketches at, at oh, wow. ten or eleven. Wow. So they let me do them, which was cool. And then I would, they would put me. I would get the lead role in the shows. We did Grease. I played Danny Zuko. We did Pippin. I played the lead character in Pippin. Uh, we did uh, was it uh, Forty Seconds? Oh, we did um, oh, West Side Story. I played Tony in West Side Story. Oh wow! You know, and so your hair was curlier. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, was probably tan. <laughs> I just remember one of those shows. I had a hundred and three. I was sick. Oh, and I had a, and I was in a firmary all week, and I had to learn five songs and like a whole hundred page script oh, or whatever yeah. the heck it was. And I yeah, and I went out and I nailed it, man. It was like, but yeah. Um, so you you get on stage and you you feel like oh, okay, and then you're getting the accolades. And so I yeah, I thought okay, maybe I can go and be an actor, you know. And then uh, in high school I did the, the plays, mm-hmm. but then you get not. Were, were you into musical theater more than just straight uh, plays? Um, yeah, probably. I was musical. I was okay. I, I played right. music in in school right. as a kid and. Uh, uh, I played. Yeah, uh, I learned piano later. It's funny. I, I had a teacher. They get my my grandmother got me a piano at one point, and uh, I was like twelve, and uh, for my bar mitzvah, <laughs> she just got you. A piano. Yeah, for my bar mitzvah, it was my first. And the thing was, like, they gave me this teacher. They call it like an old lady in tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. You know, where they just say, "Okay, sit down. We're gonna read." Now you're a kid right. with ADD. The last oh, thing you want to do is read. Meanwhile, I'd walk in there with my little Casio and be like, "Oh, I figured out the theme song to this." And and she like, "Okay, that's great. We're gonna." Would you have a Casio SK five? Uh, would I don't remember which one I that had. You had the. Like I had, I had all sound that effects. Stuff. I had like the one I could take to summer camp and play. Yeah, I had yeah. all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, I, still, I, had the sound I still effects. have that. Oh, that's awesome. That, that was great. Yeah. So she would go, "No, no, we're gonna read." And what happened was. See, I, it just turned me off to the piano. I'd sit there and I'd play and she'd go, ooh, you're, play, you're reading so well. I wasn't reading a damn thing. I was memorizing what we did the week before and just doing muscle memory. Had I had a teacher who go, wait a minute, this kid has an ear. He's got, let's develop his ear. Mm-hmm. So teaching me jazz and blues. Mm-hmm. I could be world class today. But right. because I had this boring old lady who's going, okay, we're going to read this. And, you know, it just turned me off. I never It's practiced. so important, like, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm guessing that you, you and I are similar in that way as well. 
I, when you were in school, did you find you gravitated towards the teacher that thought outside the box and had, uh, had a like sort of newer, fresher approach? Yes. That, it, those those methods now would probably be considered like uh, um, things in private school, like a Montessori method, where yeah. they they they're teaching you the concept, but the, but it's not here. Put your books away. Yeah. We're gonna talk. You know, like those were the teachers that I gravitated to, yeah. and I always did well in those those classes because. Yeah. They were not, it wasn't the rote memorization, Bueller, yes. Bueller. You know. What I learned, it's funny, I was just telling this, I ran into uh, my fourth grade teacher two weeks ago oh, at wow. a funeral of someone we knew, and I hadn't seen her since elementary school. It was, a, it was really wild to run into her. And we were talking How about How she another, look? <laughs> 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 pretty good for her age, actually. So, um, and, uh, and, I fa- and I actually had the picture of us from fourth grade. Oh, I wow. showed her, blew her mind. Somebody posted on Facebook. So I had a crush on you when I was yeah. years old. What's <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm filled out. I drank my milk. <laughs> I was still in fourth grade, so it was before that happened. But uh, so I had this one teacher. They, you know, my parents were getting divorced, and they put me in this supplemental class where I could get a little extra attention. Okay. And there was this teacher in there. Her name was Miss Schreiber, and I remember she said something really uh, brilliant. Uh, she, there was three kids in my grade that were in her, in this little class at that point, and she said, "Okay, Philip, you you learn by reading things. So I'm gonna let you read chapter three, and we'll discuss it when you're done." She goes, "Robert, you learn by hearing things, so I'm gonna explain it to you. Stephen, you need to see things, so I'm gonna draw a few on the board, and we'll go oh, to the wow. diagram." And it turns out she was a hundred percent right. Um, it, it's brilliant. It, basically, we all learn different ways. Yeah. I learn kinesthetically, which is by physically doing something, right. muscle memory, or by seeing it. If I see it, boom. You explain it to me, it's in one ear or the other. You make me read it, forget about it. So, But if, if I experience it, yeah. I will have it better than you in a second. Right. It's probably why you and I can that's, do that's, voices so way, well. Yeah. yeah. So that's how I am. So, But when you're in school, the two ways that you're predominantly, predominantly expected to learn are by listening mm-hmm. and by reading yeah. and those are my two weaknesses right. anytime even when I got to college if I did an internship or I did something where I was physically doing something I'd get A's right. you know I had a class in uh, criminalistics I was a criminology criminal justice major and we had to solve crimes and dollhouses and stuff and it was like and I'd get an A we would do fingerprinting tool marks ballistics right. shoot guns in class you're touching yeah you're touching yeah, touch and doing stuff and boom and that was it for me mm. so I think that's the, what sucked about school was what's the word kinest- uh, kinesthetic kinesthetic and uh, and that's the thing about school is it's just all it was cookie cutter kids were all expected to learn the same way but here's mm-hmm. the thing about being a student is a talent yeah. no different than what we do or painting is a talent some people have an aptitude for scholastics and can and process information in a way that makes them good students yes. and the thing is you know when you're a kid like me who later I learned about ADD. We, I didn't know at the right. time what that was. Back then, you just, just called it stupid. Your kid's freaking stupid. Yeah, you know, it's just and, pay attention, yeah, stupid. Exactly. It's really what it was. And and then later I learned about it, and it, 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 it I opened my eyes and helped me kind of become my own teammate. Mm. But you start feeling like you're no good, and you get yeah. so that's why it's important to find how kids learn and mm-hmm. tap into that yeah. and encourage that. So with the piano thing that I was originally talking about, when I got to college, I had a roommate who had a keyboard, and I used to sit around and make up songs that I'd write. And um, and that's where I really started to just. I remember there's this one kid, and he played a song in front of everybody where I was in the band. And I was like, man, if I could just play one song, that'd be so cool, and have all the girls stand around. <laughs> I just need one Those song. Those to the girls, right? And uh, he taught me that one song, and I was playing it better than him in a week. Oh, that's wow. how I, I mean. I so I would just so I. It's funny because uh, years later, I ran into a guy who was a jazz instructor, and I said, look, I I just play this stuff. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. And he kind of said to me, he says, I can't. 
I can't really teach you, but he goes, I can kind of explain what you already know. And that made sense to me because I was doing things like arpeggios. I didn't know what that was. I was just pressing these notes. I knew they sounded right. Mm -hmm. He goes, well, that's called an arpeggio. Oh, okay. And it, so I start, you start to put things together yeah. and realize, yeah. oh, this is what I'm doing. I, I had had that as a kid. Some teacher tapped into that. Yeah. I could be, yeah, seriously. Because, yeah. uh, but now I do it for enjoyment. I've incorporated a little bit in my show. So I'm, I'm, I write songs on the piano, and I did play trumpet as a kid. The right. I imitated. That in too. I imitated better than I ever played right. it back then. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Give us Chuck Mangino. <laughs> 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 so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been entertained all week, dude. It's been, been fun. So when was when was your first when was your first time on stage as a stand up? And stand -up. what what got you there? Like, how did you finally? Because there's a lot of courage involved. Yeah. Oh yeah. On stage that first time. I've told people I've done some adventure stuff in my time. I've gone skydiving. Mm -hmm. I've gone scuba diving with sharks. I bungee jumped out of a cable car in the Swiss Alps. I jumped out of a building. A base jump in Auckland, New Zealand, oh, so white, you know, white boy stuff. And yeah, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like a, like, I ain't done none of that. He's like, we don't do that shit on purpose. So, so I was like, so I like adventure stuff, but I said none of that. Right. I said, why you know? I said, because nothing is scarier than getting on stand up stage for the first time. Yeah. Doing stand nothing. Yeah. Really? And I and I, there's a video of me jumping out of the building in New Zealand. I'm like, that was crazy. Look what I just and I'm right off the and I said. But doesn't beat doing stand up the first time because that really is the scariest yeah. thing ever. And the way I started was very different than most people. Uh -huh. My first time on stage was was it just doesn't happen. Uh -huh. And uh, but basically what happened was this: I was um, my step now stepmom, then my dad's girlfriend. She uh, met uh, Sal Richard's son, Guy. Mm -hmm. uh, he was doing stand up, and she's like, "Oh, you got to meet Marvin's son. He's so funny." And I'd been in college, and I would do these answering machine messages. Back then, you could do answering mm -hmm. you know, we had before cell phones. We had answering machines, <clears throat> and I do these funny answering machine messages. Mm -hmm. And when you go to a university, and you have people from all over the country who tell their friends, "Oh, you got to call my friend's machine." I used to get calls from all over the country. People just wanted to hear my answer machine. Oh really? Oh yeah. I would call. I, I had I had the Jewish grandmother phone sex hotline. You know, <laughs> I use the lonely and over, over the age of sixty five. Well, if you are, have I got the number for you? Just dial one nine hundred eight six seven eight two five eight. That's one nine hundred Oy Gewalt. And one of the lovely ladies was you know, and it's like oh, I'm Fertile Myrtle and I'm just trying to be. You know, I would do all these crazy things. You know, and uh, whatever. And people would call and I'd answer the phone. They'd be like, oh shucks. You know, every time I pick up, like, we call to hear your machine. You know, so um, she put me with. Him and as she said, Oh, Stephen does funny stuff. So we were talking, and I did some impressions, and I did some of the sketches things I was doing, and funny stuff. And he literally looks at me and goes, I'm putting you in my show in two weeks. Oh, like that. I'm like, I have no material. No, he's like, You know, you got great stuff there. We'll work. I'll help you find right. it. We'll put you on stage. Really? Oh, okay. Because you did have material, right. you just didn't, didn't know, you yeah. have it organized. Not, yes. a, not in a stand up routine. Yeah. Right. So the the show was a show he did in Staten Island. Minute. Rich Voss was on the show. Uh, what, got, club? what club? Uh, it wasn't a club. It was a it was a movie theater in Staten Island. Oh, wow. They took over the theater. They had a stage backdrop of the city. It was really uh, mm -hmm. cool thing. <clears throat> and um, it starred guy and then Rich Voss on the show. A guy named Rob Falcone who's still around. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, and um, and oh, wow. and so he had these two local um, uh, college DJs hosting it. And so he tells so he tells the guys we're at this. I'm nervous as hell. He told he, he tells me to do 20 minutes. You know, you know. 20, 20 minutes. minutes. 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. Tell me 20 minutes. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right? I don't know Yo. any better. So I prepared 20 minutes. I'm working. I'm rehearsing. I'm getting my stuff memorized. 20 minutes. Right. Exactly. I know from nothing. So I show up there and he tells the guys. He goes, hey, guys, uh, 
we're breaking his cherry tonight. And he goes, well, what do you mean? This is his first show. He's like, what, what do you mean? Your first show out of the city? Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, I was like, where have you performed? You performed before. I was like, where have you performed? I said, my living room. He goes, God, what are you, freaking nuts? You're going to give this guy a show? He's never done comedy before? What are you, out of your mind? Yeah, yeah, all right. He goes, you don't give a guy 20 minutes. You give him, like, you know, maybe five minutes. If he sucks, you pull him in three. You don't give him 20 minutes. Right. Bring down the whole show. Like, I'm not nervous enough. Voss is sitting there like, we're talking about the kid like he ain't even in a room. And I'm like, I'm I'm freaking out now. And so there's So, saying, hold on. Rich yeah. Voss was almost empathetic. Almost everything. <laughs> he's like, he's, yeah. well, he was just laughing the whole concert. He's like, yeah, so I'm like, and then it was insane. And I'm like, so now guy says to me, he's like, all right, look. Um, oh, oh, and that's the other thing. I was going on second. Why? So, um, well, I, Rob was going to go first. I was going to go on second. Technically, okay. if you think about it, I guess if I'm like the guest set spot, that's where it would be. Okay. But but I guess Rob didn't want to go out first. And he was like, oh, wow. You should have, he's a new guy. He should go out first. You know, you know, I'm so guy goes ahead and says, uh, all right, Steven, I switched it up. He's like, um, I'm going to put you out first. No, but I, I, and he told the MCs to bring me up first. But, and he's like, oh, and by the way, just do 10 minutes. I'm like, but, but I, I only know how to do 20. <laughs> I've been practicing 20. <laughs> so now my first time on stage, I'm being thrown out first. And I got to cut my set in half. Oh, I'm editing it on stage. Jeez. I ended up doing 12 minutes. And oh. my father sat there with the video camera. Okay. So that first there. time on stage became my first demo reel. Yeah. It was actually good. Yeah. And then, and then after I did my set, you know, guys like, Falcone, oh yeah, you're really good, man. You should come into the city. And Voss like, yeah, that was really good, man. Oh, so when man. I had their approval, approval, that was nice. And that was my first time ever on stage. Wow. And then my dad, so that videotape actually got me like my first comedy club and stuff. And what then was your the, first club? Uh, Bananas okay. in, in Poughkeepsie. And um, and you mentioned the other day when we were talking about Washington Square Park, Guy took me to Washington. The second gig I did was that same week he took me to a mob bar in Brooklyn. Where uh, it was, uh, oh yeah. Out in uh, Bay Ridge? Yeah, somewhere like that. Uh, Some, we just spoke about, oh jeez. It was a mob joint. It was, t- yeah, it was crazy. Uh, Tim, ha- Tim Ham, 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 Hamayun, Hamayun yeah. was just talking about that oh, spot. Really? And I had It's people, not around anymore, I don't no, think. No, yeah. and there were people on the ship that were asking about oh, wow. that place. Uh, not wise, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't it, a comedy club. It was a bar, and they did a comedy night kind of thing there. But it had, was, did it have a low ceiling? I'm, I'm trying it to may, remember it, the It was the, a long time ago. Yeah. But yeah, it was in that part of town. It was yeah. it was crazy. And then the third one I did was in Washington Square Park. That guy you mentioned, Albert, was Albert. there. And guy goes up to him. He's like, hey, we're comedians. Can we get it? He goes, oh, we got some comedians here. And then guy does a set, and he hands me them. He goes, I got a kid. He's so good. And I'm standing on a milk crate, milk crate. in the middle of Washington in Square. Middle, in the middle I wouldn't do fountain. that today. In the fountain. <laughs> in the fountain, yeah. And and I and I and there must have been. 300 people there and I'm doing my thing and uh, and it went over and then we all picked up the hat and money. collected money yeah. for Albert yeah. and that was that was my third gig and it was just nuts and then finally a few months later that tape from my first gig uh, got uh, uh, the folks around Bananas and uh, I was emceeing at Bananas and then my career was just from there and then they, they managed me they Over said they had bananas. Then? Yeah, they said they had the choice of managing me or Jimmy Fallon because we both started. Oh, because he club. was up in Sorgerton. Yeah, and they said we so thought good. you had more polish or potential. Whoop! They got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so um, yeah, so he went out and got a good manager who could get him an audition for Saturday Night Live when they were looking for someone like that. My managers couldn't get me an audition for SNL if SNL called looking for me. Gosh, but uh, so um, yeah, so that's where I started, and they started getting me. Then I started doing all those New York mm-hmm. suburb rooms, you know, Governors and Brokerage and Treehouse, right, like like and, uh, Long Island. Right 
Rascals and all those gigs Jersey, and, and yeah. uh, Tropicana and in, in, um, in uh, Atlantic City. And so then I realized, you know, and you start working with like guys like Roger Paul and you're doing like every weekend you're somewhere MC, right. and you start working your way up the ranks. Right. And uh, But and, it sounds what 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 is actually impressive. It sounds like you um you had that trial by fire and got in to clubs quick enough that you started actually making money. Yeah. Um. Early. Yeah. You know because started, if you were yeah. doing bananas and right. rascals. Yes. Um. Like the city, the city spots back in the days. Oh yeah. On a weekend, bucks. if you were a paid actor. Yeah. If if you were a paid actor, weekend the was fifty. Was fifty, and the weeknights were 10. ten to yeah. fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you were if you're doing rascals, you're doing go bananas, you're doing governors, and and. And the, yeah. the little get, you're actually getting some decent money. Yes. So are you in are you in school at the time? No, or? I graduated school. Okay. I was back home living with my mom, so I was I was out of school now, and I was just making money. And then about a year later, I kind of had to go off on my own. Okay. And that was you know tight just to you know be able to. And then I got in with the Friars Club and started talk doing about that you stuff. know we'll close this episode. Talk about um, the Friars and how you got in, and what and for those that don't know, explain what the Friars are. Friars Club is. It's a legendary entertainers club. It's like, uh, you know, what a country club is. It's a city club. It's a private club. And it was started in 1904 by, like, uh, Broadway press agents and entertainers. And they want a place where they could go. And it became uh, a lot of comedians started to join. And some of the most legendary names in show business, you know, Jerry Lewis, Frank Sinatra, you know, Milton Berle, all these guys... Uh, and eventually, it was it was only men at first, mm-hmm. and then in 1988, it opened to women. Liza Minnelli was the first female member, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and they're they're um, and it's it's a, a beautiful private club in the city, and they and they they're known for their roasts. We started the roasts, um, you know, and uh, and that's that's uh, and it's still going strong. And guys, you know, um, uh, you have the legendary comics, but the, they you also have guys like Jeffrey Ross and Lisa Lampanelli and uh, a lot of p- people you know and. Corey and um, and Tom Cotter, we're all friars now, and it's it's just it's a private club. We're all right. show business people, and we do shows there, and it's just a great uh, group to be involved with. How'd you wind up uh, joining? Well, my dad was a member of the Friars oh, Club, okay. and okay. and my dad. It's funny. My, uh, so my dad was a member of the Friars Club. So I he joined when I was like seven. Oh, okay. So I'd be going there, and what happened was when I started to become a comedian, he'd say, "Hey, you should go to this event at the Friars. They got the Letterman writers there, and they're doing this thing, or they'd be great events." But my dad was doing the news, and he couldn't always take me mm-hmm. as a guest. He'd say, "Hey, listen, can I can I have Stephen go, and I'll meet him later, you know?" And they would kind of, but then people say, "Well, why don't you join?" And I'm like, "Cause I just started a business, and I don't have any money." Right. And they're like, "No, no, no, was we have they an entrance fee." Yeah, well, yeah, okay. yeah, as dues and everything. And so, but they said we have a program for uh, what we call associates. People who are under forty, there's a there's a twenty to twenty one to thirty, and then thirty to forty mm-hmm. associates level. And if you're in the um, in the twenty one to thirty, it's quarter dues. Oh. So at that time, it was only like five hundred and fifty bucks. Okay. So you know, I was able to scrounge that up, and and that was my dues. And then there's no initiation fee if you're a working performer. Okay. So uh, so I was able to join the club and um, and I got sponsored and and uh, then I got involved pretty early. I started producing shows. There. When you say sponsored, someone else, <clears throat> your dad. Yeah, my dad was one, obviously, and the other was a woman named Laura Slutsky, and uh, and they. they so, I'm sorry, say her name. Laura Slutsky. She's a she's a comedy person. She's a producer and does some comedy okay. stuff as well. Yeah, yeah, that's her last yeah. name. Slutsky is really last name, and she. Um, 
and uh, they they sponsored me, and uh, I started producing shows there. Oh, okay. And I was doing shows with other comics, and 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 and, and performing on shows, and people start to see who you are, and it just you, you know it opens up a whole mm. other mm. avenue of of work and opportunity. And then I just got so involved in the club over the years. Eventually, you know, I'd start serving on committees, being the entertainment committee, or whatever. And then I got onto the board of governors. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad was an officer at one point, and now just became an officer again just a couple months ago. Uh, but, uh, so there were times he was on the board, but I was on the board of governors for four years and I'm on there with Don Buckwald, I'm on there with Rick Newman and other, you know, Joy Behar and Al Roker, you know, and so, um, yeah, I've been a member now for 22 and a half years and, uh, it's, it's really, they really wanted to reach out to younger comics Mm -hmm. as a, you know, a chance to get in touch with the comedy history and the comedy future. And like I said, you know, guys, like I joined with the year Jeff Ross joined and, uh, and, you know, Lisa became a member after that and there's a whole bunch of young comics that are doing great stuff at the at the Friars Club. And uh so yeah, so it's it's become a big part of my life. It's my it's my go to place, you right. know, when I go home and it's nice. They got a restaurant and bar and they got a steam room and mm. where you work out and uh we'll have to bring you there next time you're in town. I was I was gonna say what would you say because you, you mentioned Al Roker, so yeah. they they do also extend to everyone. Oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, there's it's not yeah, it's it's, it's black, no, because but, I, yeah. I guarantee you yeah. there are people that don't realize oh, that yeah, there are yeah. black friars oh, yes. as well. Yes, you know? I mean, you know, not as many, but they're definitely, right. yeah, open to everybody. And, um, yeah, there's there's a lot of people. Some are famous. Um, some don't come that much, like Sam Jackson's, because you know, he's in L.A. and people like that. Right. <clears throat> but um, uh, Sam was the roast master for the Quentin Tarantino roast. And you oh, okay. remember. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, we have a lot of singers and a lot of uh, comedians. And, um, yeah, there's uh, Wally Collins. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of people that you know uh, in our core group of New York comics that are there in the Friars Club. And, yeah, definitely come as my guest one day. Yeah. And whether you come just to hang out and have dinner with us or whether we get you on a show at some point, mm-hmm. people should see who you are. Because, you know, you get an interesting, you know, sometimes there's agents and managers there. And uh, sometimes there's just people who book country clubs are there. And right. like, oh, you'd be perfect. And now you're doing some country club tours right. and making good money. So, you know, you, you just never know. Right. Um, so, but it's, it's really... It's a social. I go. In, it's like Cheers, you know. The norm, you know. You go in there, and it's it's family, and it's uh, it's it's show business people. It's it's kind of nice. Right, right. And right. and I got what was really cool is I I got to roast Jerry Lewis uh, ten that, years ago, cool. and I'm sitting. There's a picture of me roasting Jerry Lewis, who's sitting next to me. Next to him is Robert De Niro. Next to him is Martin Scorsese. On my other side is Nathan Lane, wow. and I'm on the dance. These people, and I'm roasting legend Jerry Lewis. This last year, they had the roast for uh, Gary Busey. And it got screwed up. It was supposed you guys to be- know Gary Busey is. Oh yeah, he's crazy. He's he's not. Yeah, he's he's really. He does have brain damage. You know, he he's does. a sweetheart of a guy, but he does. Yeah, he fell off his motorcycle, so he, that's why he's a little wacky. And I knew it would be a wild card roast. Right. But what happened was it was supposed to be Gilbert Godfrey was supposed to be the roast master. And it was supposed to be at the Hilton. And then somebody's schedule changed, and then they couldn't give him the date. And the whole thing started falling apart. They ended up doing it as an old school roast at the Friars. The place was packed like never seen before. When you say old school <clears> roast. The original roast were at the Friars Club, and then they got so big, they'd have to be oh, in the ballroom at the Hilton. Gotcha. Okay. Or at the Waldorf, you know? Okay. So they brought it back to the club. And then Gilbert had a bail, and they. Called me up from the miners to be the roast master for you see. Is I had two weeks. I had to write my ass off because remember, roasting is a totally different style from what we normally do. Yeah. But being a student of it and being around the friars for twenty two years, I knew what I had to do, and right. I roasted right. other people, so I wrote my ass off. And and they give you access to writers and stuff too if you need them. But I I wrote my own stuff, and then I consulted with a few people like the day mm-hmm. before, and you know Tom Cotter was on the show with me. He you know, and uh, <clears throat> and it went great. And and you know I. Gary was he was a sweetheart, but he's he'll he'll just blurt stuff out, and you would have be prepared for that. He said at one point somewhere we mentioned something about something about dogs, and he goes, 
I like to sniff other people's legs. You know? <laughs> and I just turned, I looked at him, I said, you know, Gary, do you realize you could drink an entire bowl of alphabet soup and shit out of more coherent sense than that? <laughs> and it killed, you know, and he was great. But I got him up. I, I knew he was um, he was a musician. He won a, He was nominated for an Oscar for playing Buddy Holly in the oh, Buddy yeah, Holly story. He's very proud of that. So I, I, we did, I had a friend of mine come up. We did a musical number to him. Which, mm-hmm. And then at the end, I said, Gary, we're going to do this thing. I got my buddy coming up. He's going to do that. It'll be the day by uh, Buddy Holly. Would you get up? And He goes, absolutely. Oh, cool. So he got up at the end. My friend's playing guitar. He gets up, grabs the mic, and the whole place is on their feet. And that's how we close out the show. Oh, That'll dude, be the day. It, but it was old school roast. It wasn't that Comedy Central stuff. It was like the Dean Martin celebrity roast. Right. And we're all roast. We're all had each other's backs. It was right. all fun. It was that it, where you walk out that with that great feeling. It was a really great. I was honored to be at the helm of it and not screw it up. <laughs> now, now for those who don't know, even yeah. though many do, because a lot of the people that listen are yeah. comedy literate, uh, explain the difference between. The the traditional friars roast and the comedy central. Okay. The difference uh, is this: versions. we we close our roasts when we give the award out because it is an honor to be mm-hmm. roasted, and you know some of the most famous names in show business have done our comedy roast. Right. You know, I mentioned Tarantino earlier. I mean, I mean, just everybody: Billy Crystal, Richard Pryor, right. Robin Williams was roast for Richard Pryor. Right. Yeah, you name I it. I remember know, Billy Crystal. Everybody. Yeah. I mean, the biggest names in the business going back. You know. Yeah, I mean, everybody. I mean, they were really legendary events. And so the saying is, we only roast the ones we love. Right. Okay? And that's important. And so what happened was in, in uh, 97, the, the Comedy Central came to the Friars and said, hey, we want to bring this to television. We mm. want to share this. Usually these were private events luncheons they were originally stag events only for men right. Phyllis Diller famously dressed up as a man and snuck into a roast sure. uh, and then when the club went uh, co-ed in 1988 uh, then then it was you know everybody in fact when they roasted Lucille Ball back in the 50s <clears throat> I think I think it was Johnny Carson was the roast man he said look you know this is our first time roasting a woman we're gonna have to change the tone a little bit uh, so we can't be as raunchy as we always were so anyway Ladies and gentlemen, with that said, it is my honor to introduce your guest of honor, Ms. Lucille Testicle. <laughs> so anyway, um, so so what happened was um, uh, when Comedy Central came to us, they said we wanted to do it, and and uh, and they signed a deal to do a five year deal. And instead of being lunches, they were black tie dinner okay. events at the Waldorf or at the Hilton. So to O two, ninety seven to O two. Yes, that's right. And so the first one was Drew Carey, second one was uh, Jerry Stiller, third one was Rob Reiner. Fourth one was the infamous Hugh Hefner roast where right. Gilbert did the Aristocrats. I was it was unbelievable. And then the last one was uh, oh are we getting someone at the door? Oh, who's hit pause? And then the last one was uh, was the uh, Chevy Chase roast. Was oh, cool. and I was on the dais for that. Oh, cool. Um, I didn't perform, but I was on the dais. And that Lisa Lampanelli did that one. That helped me right. out. So um, those roasts were great. And then at some point, Comedy Central <clears throat> said. Well, look, Friars Club doesn't have a copyright in the word roast. We can kind of do it. And they just went off and did their own thing. And when they did that, what happened was they they lost that element of we only roast the ones we love. They became, the kids coming up, when you see the Comedy Centrals, they're a lot meaner. They're a lot dirtier. Mm-hmm. And, and the filthy funny factor is not, the balance isn't there. 
to explain, you 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 had a good uh, yeah a numeric uh, yeah I have a formula, formula I call it Stephen's Guide's filthy funny formula and it is very simple. You can be up to forty nine percent filthy, but you have to be at least fifty one percent funny for people to remember that you were funny. Otherwise, they right. just remember you were filthy right. or mean or whatever it is. Right. And um, so a lot of these guys are just you know they're going out there and they're just being mean and dirty and they don't really have a joke there. Right. And you and you ooh you're gonna right. oh ooh you know I mean like right. we were talking about. Uh, Ann Coulter being on the road, which was very weird, but um, shouldn't, she shouldn't have been. That was yeah, that was not appropriate. Uh, poor girl was shaking, but the uh, but, yeah, but, like you know, if y'all if you watch that yeah. that roast, or you can even watch it on YouTube, yeah. and when she picks up her paper, oh yeah, you can you tell can see the fear, the, the fear in her hands yeah. shaking, and then it's <laughs> crazy. Then uh, what's his name? Uh, just calling her a cunt. Yeah, yeah, the C word. You can't do that. Yeah, so. yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, and, well, it was like some guys had f- some clever jokes mm-hmm. that were like, okay, but then, like you said, uh, Pete, uh, whatever his name, went up and he just went, hey, Cold is here, you know, and then C word, and it was like, that's not a joke, man. Yeah. That's just you know. So they they're not they don't understand the history of it. So when the the Comedy Central's doing the roast, it's just become this very mean. You know, Jeff obviously Jeff's the best at it because he came from the Friars. He was roasting right. with Milton Berle and right. Buddy Hackett and right. the legends who started. Of this thing, so um, what did you say? Buddy Hackett said you told the story. Oh Buddy yeah. Hackett was, <laughs> so one of the cool things, again, being a young friar, Buddy Hackett would come to town. He loved to hold court for the right. young comedians. Right. He literally he, said he was very giving. Yes, very, very much so. And he would take us up to one of the rooms, and there'd be like you know, hey, finger pop. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 that's funny. Buddy Hacker would take me in the back of Valley. <laughs> take me to the steam room. Yeah. So, anyway, he, there'd be about, you know, 10 comics up there. You know, it was like me, Cotter, Kerry Louise, Elon Go, whatever, and you can, and Jeff Ross. And you can ask Buddy whatever you want. He would just, you know, give lessons on, on comedy and right. life, and you can ask him what you want. So I said, Mr. Hackett, you know, I said, one of the things, you know, and we'd hear this sometime, especially starting out, you know, we'd go out for acting roles. People say, oh, comedians can't act. You'd hear that a lot, mm-hmm. you know. Now you can say, tell that to Jamie Foxx, Robin Williams, and Monique, and everyone right. we mentioned earlier. Uh, but uh, but I said, you know, here. Tell Monique, baby. Yeah, right. So you said, so you said, uh, I said, what do you say? You know, I hear you know comedians act. You're a guy who's had a, a, a very successful stamp career, but you've also had a very illustrious acting career. So how do you <clears throat> reconcile that? He goes, let me tell you, let me ask you something. When you were a little kid, did you ever lie to your mother? I said, uh, uh, yeah, I probably did. He goes, that was the best acting ever done in your whole life. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and it was a good point. You know, he, he, he made, it was a great point. I was like, oh, wow, okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, but, you know, being able to sit with guys like that and, 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 you know, I once did a show at the Friars Club. It was a command performance for Sid Caesar. Mm-hmm. I was on the show. Jim Day was on the show. Modi was on the show. Corey Gahaney was on the show. And here you are. as a little roast this legend. And Henny Youngman's in the audience. And Milton, Gene Bayless, all these guys. And um, I'm backstage, and Sid Caesar comes up to me. And he quotes a, a little piece of my act. Oh, wow. my face. And he goes, stick with it, kid. He goes, you got it. Now, when you hear that from Sid Caesar. Yeah, man. My God, that's powerful, yeah. you know. And that the Friars Club gave me an opportunity to even be in that situation yeah. is a nice thing, yeah. you know. And I think that's really important for young comics to be able to mix. They used to have these roundtable dinners. We'd sit there with like, it'd be me, it'd be Belzer, it'd be Jerry Orbach, you mm-hmm. know, it'd be uh, M- Buddy Hackett, mm-hmm. uh, Dick Capri, Freddie, Ron, you know, we'd all just uh, Jeffrey Ross and uh, Janine Garofalo, and we'd just sit and tell story and. 
that's you know that's yeah. where you learn. There's an education yeah. that I'm that is so valuable. Yeah. And again, and 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 when I rose to Gary Busey and I got calls from Dick Capri and Freddie Roman who were in Florida, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and Dick, this is Dick Capri. I heard you killed it last night. I'm so proud of you. And then Freddie Roman calls. I'm so delighted. I'm so he goes. <laughs> I'm so fucking proud of you, you know, and and that that meant the world. And I said, well, I called him back. I said, you guys are my professors. You know, I yeah. learned to roast because I watched you. You guys let me roast you right. when you know you did the mini roasts, and right. I, you know, and and that's how you learn that whole thing. So right. it, it's really uh, it's been a fun part of my career, my life, have uh, being a, a friar, and uh, and I will be happy to. Uh, Invite you and indoctrinate you one day when we're both back in town at the yeah, same time to come hang out. I look forward to, to hanging. Hey, so listen, yo, that's that's part one of this podcast. That's part one. These people are like, Jesus. We, well, we didn't even, I mean, you know, there's yeah. a lot of history. And just, just so y'all know, you know, um, we, we, I want to, I want to. I want to talk about you know you getting your your deal with Warner Brothers yeah. and you doing uh Jamie Foxx's uh yeah. you know failed uh sketch show yeah. you know um because yeah. Stephen showed me some of the clips and he did something with uh, Jam and Jay Lamont that was yeah. was awesome and, and what I love about that story I'm just teasing them with it but what I love is that you saw Jamie's producer hand actually yeah. where he actually. His years in the industry actually kicked in, and you could see that Keenan Ivy Wayne, similar to yeah. how you just said, yeah. uh, you know, Freddie Roman and crew, that yeah. they they were your professors. So Keenan yes. Ivy Wayne's was his 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 mentor, totally. and taught him how to how to see. Yep. someone's innate talent and say you know what I think this if I put this with this yeah. other element it would make something magical yeah. for, for this show um, so yeah I gotta check out um, the next episode of the Father Market Protocol where can people find you on uh, online and social media Steven Scott that's I always say Steven with a V not a PH because that's the pen and I'm a <laughs> Steven uh, Steven Scott uh, S-T-E-V-E-N-S-C-O-T-T and it's .tv like television not .com uh, stevenscott.tv is my website it's got my calendar it's got some clips and uh, you can send me notes whatever you like and uh, yeah keep in touch and hopefully we'll get to entertain you live at a show one day soon looking forward one day soon and yo you know my, my stuff is uh, everything's at I am Dean Edwards because that's who I am um, you know this this will when, when y'all hear this make sure you comment uh, you know real quick I want uh, to say to some of the comments to, to the last episode um, I did not leave that in the in the toilet for Harris on purpose. <laughs> I really didn't. He was in the room and he was pissed, and I swear I was like, I did not, I didn't mean that bad. So I'm sorry. Uh, do you have any dates in the city coming up? Uh, yeah, that actually, you know, I'm, I'm coming back. Uh, I have a bunch of shows coming up that are like the the private gigs, but yeah, you know, what? I think I got something at Dangerfields coming up, and I got something at Broadway Comedy Club coming up. I gotta check maybe comic strips. So when you go to the calendar, when I get back home and I update the calendar, you'll see the dates that I have in the city definitely coming out. Also, if you're on Twitter, it's Stephen Scott L O L on Twitter and uh, fan page Stephen Scott comedian actor host on uh, on Facebook. So yeah, so I'll, I'll post those dates when I'm okay. back in town and um, you'll see. Most of my March is full, but I have a couple openings where I'll be in the city and then in March and then in April I'll definitely have some city. Right. So. And you know what? Y'all can catch me. Um, Back when I'm back in uh, in New York, uh, y'all can catch me. Actually, this week, by the time y'all hear this, it'll be uh, this week at uh, both Stand Up New York and Westside Comedy Club. I'm there March 16th and 17th. Um, you can check their websites. I have multiple shows at both clubs. 
And then um, in April, uh, no booking alert, uh, you can catch me April 8th through April 14th at the uh, Music Box at the Borgata and, uh, in Atlantic City. Um, Steven, you said you, you played that. Yeah, it's a great room. It's really, really nice room. Yeah, yeah so you can catch, catch me there with, uh, with Harris Stanton and I'm not sure who else I think is a good comic. We'll, yeah. We're gonna have some fun and turn up AC. I ain't been to AC in a long time, so I'm looking yeah. forward. It's been like probably three, four years. It's not quite summer weather yet, but you can still. Uh, right. You want to do the beach and the cotton candy, yeah. but you know, it's fun. I wouldn't either, even, yeah. even if it was summertime. But it's, you know, it's 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 very. It's like the poor man's Vegas. They have a very similar yeah. slogan. What happens in Atlantic City? Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, yo, and on that note, yo, we'll, we'll catch you at the next episode. Steve Scott, thanks for uh, hanging out, man. Of course. And this part one, you can catch us uh, part two uh, very shortly. All right, all love, two fingers, follow my protocol. Appreciate y'all comments. Um, I, I read everything, so leave your comments on SoundCloud and iTunes, and I'll look back. All right, two fingers, peace. Yeah.